to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. I'm back. Good to see everybody. Uh, do be in prayer for the Rulies as they are in Minnesota uh, at that youth conference and visiting some family up there. And then also for Rachel as she is getting ready to head back uh, later this morning. I think she's planning on leaving about 10 uh, to get back up here. She had kind of a fun trip down and they're talking about some storms uh, on the way back up. So please do keep her in prayer. Uh, This morning we're going to be back in the book of Judges. We uh, looked at... Manoah and his wife last week, uh, looking at them speaking to the angel, the angel giving the instructions and uh, all the things that need to be done in order for Samson to be brought into this world. And this week we are going to get introduced to Samson. Uh, Samson is the last judge in the book of Judges. the next, he's not the last judge, but the last one mentioned in the book of Judges. Uh, we have a brief time after Samson where there was no judge, and then we have Samuel. And then ultimately David would be the last one <clears throat> as uh, God begins to transition to the kings of Israel. So Judges chapter 14 is where we're going to start, and we're going to read down through verse number 20, which is the whole chapter. Judges chapter 14 and verse number 1 says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all thy people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath, and he came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And in the spirit of the Lord, sorry, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, And he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating, and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young man to do, or the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought thirty companions to be with him. We're going to stop there. We'll hopefully finish out the chapter this morning, but we'll stop there for right now. 
Let's pray. Father God, again, we do love you. <clears throat> we thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to hear your word. Lord, I pray that your truth today would fall on fertile ground. Lord, that it would not just enter our ears, but that it would travel to our hearts and it would plant itself deep in that soil. Lord, that it would grow and it would mold us and shape us into the men and women that you'd have us to be. So God, please work in us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we said last week, <clears throat> the angel of the Lord came to Manoah and his wife and gave them specific instructions on what they should do in order to have Samson. Samson was going to be raised up as a Nazarite from his womb. The other interesting part about this time in Israel, we've talked before, is that Israel, even though they have been turned over to the Philistines to be punished, this is the first time where we see them not crying out to God to be delivered. Yet God is going to deliver them anyway. God is going to work. But the Bible doesn't record for us that as a nation they turned and cried to God. And I think we begin to see that as we meet Samson here for the first time. We begin to see just how things have shifted in Israel as we look at Samson and his actions and his personality. <clears throat> but we also must not forget as we look at Samson that God knew all of the things that are happening here. The Bible tells us that God numbered the hairs on our head, that he knows uh, he's the one that created us in the womb. Now, I'm not saying that God created Samson to be this disobedient man that we see, but I am saying that God knew his heart and his character from the moment of his creation. And God chose to use him and to bless him in spite of all of that. We also need to understand that sometimes God allows things in our lives that just don't make sense. And they're not going to make sense. Because we only see a very small picture when God sees the beginning from the end. Here, much of what we're going to read from chapter 14 on all the way to the end of the book of Judges, there's a lot of it that's not going to make sense. But God had a plan and a purpose. And just like in the life of Job, God allowed all of this to happen to bring about the betterment of Israel and ultimately the whole world. But the very first thing we see as we are now introduced to Samson, this son of promise of Manoah and his wife, <clears throat> who was barren, we don't see his birth. We don't see his youth. We see him as an adult making decisions. And the very first thing that's recorded is that he went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. And she pleased him. Samson immediately is an Israelite as a Nazarite, as one who is supposed to be separated unto God. The very first thing that we read of him is that he seeks those things that are ungodly. <clears throat> For me, this strikes a very 
very harsh chord. And, I, and I've often been down on Manoa and his wife for not training Samson properly. But as you continue on, the Bible tells us that they knew not that this was of the Lord. That God knew that this was going to happen. God knew that this woman was going to please Samson. And that he was going to seek her. And God was going to use it to seek occasion against the Philistines. It doesn't make it right, however, that this is the choice that Samson is making. This also tells me that those things that are ungodly are often beautiful. They're often pleasing. They're often desirable. We know, if we, as we've studied and learned about the person of Satan... We understand that he was a cherub. He's called the anointed cherub that covers. He was, he was covered in beautiful stones. His entire purpose was to reflect the light of God. He was a beautiful creature. Until he chose in his pride to try and exalt himself above God's throne. I joked with Pastor Potter uh, when we went down to the youth rally that um, I had half of the church with me when really it was 49%. We had 9 of 19. 9 of 19, so 10 and 10 is 20. We had just under half. That means that Right around half of the church is young people. People who have not lived very long at all. I was thinking this morning as I struggled to roll out of bed, and knees aching and hands aching, and that I'm 40 years old. And I'm not old by any means. Brother Grant is far older than I am. <clears throat> I, I used I used to laugh. I used to make fun of my grandmother and ask her what it was like walking with the dinosaurs. Um, she would always try and hit me, but she could never reach me because she's too short. But anyway, um, but as I was thinking, the Bible talks about us living a life of 70 years. If that's true in my case, I've already lived half of my life. Now, conventional science, modern science, will tell us that we average somewhere between 90, right around 90 years. Even at that point, I've almost lived half of my life already. For you young people, it's important for you to understand that the ungodly things in this world are often some of the most beautiful things. It's kind of like when you go fishing, you don't just, most of us don't just throw a hook in the water. We put something shiny on it. Put something tasty on it. 
we put something to entice the fish to bite the hook. Something that looks like it should be there because a hook just floating in the water shouldn't be there. Samson here, even though God is working in all of this and God is allowing this and God understands Samson's heart and his mind and he's seeking occasion against the Philistines, Samson is still making a mistake. We see from the very beginning that Samson is playing with fire. He is playing extremely loose with the vows that he's been raised under. I have no doubt that Manoah and his wife told Samson from the very beginning, no, we can't cut your hair because you're a Nazarite. You're separated unto God. No, you can't do this because you're a Nazarite. You're separated unto God. But I also understand, and this is vital for you young people, that there was a point in Samson's life where it was no longer about what Manoah and his wife said. It was completely about what Samson chose. For us right here we see a picture and get an understanding that our relationship with God has nothing to do with our parents. Has nothing to do with our grandparents. Has nothing to do with our friends. And has everything to do with us. For the longest time, I thought I was a first-generation Christian. I thought I was the first one in my family when I got saved. And all of my extended family that was alive at that time, I thought I was the first one to know and understand Christ. I didn't find out till years later that my grandparents had gotten saved as teenagers. And had never shared the gospel with me had never really pushed me to seek God. On the other hand, my parents had often pulled me away from God. But in spite of all of that, I came to know Christ because their testimony doesn't matter. Young people, you have to choose. The only one here right now that really probably doesn't have to make a choice is Naomi. And she's even at the point where she has to start choosing some things. But everyone else in this room, everyone else in this room, is at a point where you really better start choosing which side you're going to be on. Samson sought this woman of the Philistines. And his father and mother begin to teach and, and, and rebuke him. Because they know and understand that God had commanded not to marry these people. God had commanded not to seek these people. They knew and understood that this was a bad thing for Samson. 
This was going to pull Samson down a rabbit hole that was very, very bad. Common sense, as we look at it, would understand that these people are ruling over Israel. They're stealing from them. They're enslaving them. Why would you seek that? Yet there are so many of those same things in our lives that we continually do every day. It's hard enough to walk the Christian life alone to walk the walk of a Nazarite alone, but to walk it with someone who has no idea what it is to desire to live with God is impossible. Deuteronomy 22.10 These are some more of the commands that God is giving Israel. Deuteronomy 22.10 says, Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Now, understand that an ox is far larger than an ass. Almost double the size. If you yoke them together, they have completely different capabilities and different characteristics. They can't possibly work together. Samson is seeking someone who does not want to serve God. Sounds a lot like the book of Esther, where Esther is made queen, and we know... We know from Samson and we know from Esther that ultimately God gets the victory. But we also need to understand that these are the exceptions, not the rule. As Samson goes and travels, as he finally convinces his parents that he is going to marry this woman and they're going to they give in and he goes and he travels to Timnath to meet her to to make all the arrangements to marry her Samson comes across the lion and a young lion roared against him the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Now, there's nothing wrong here. Samson's done nothing wrong he's, other than he's traveling to Timnath to take a daughter of the Philistines. But a young lion comes out and roars against him. And the Spirit of God comes upon him and protects him. And he tears the lion to pieces with his bare hands. Now we're beginning to see just what Samson can do when God is with him. Verse 6 is vital. 
the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. When God was with him, he protected. He was protected. He was provided for. He continues his way. He goes down and talks to the woman and she pleases Samson. And Then they leave and go to prepare for the, for the wedding. Verse number 8. And after a time he returned to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. For us, this is important because Samson, while he's had this great victory and God has provided for him, Samson is now returning to that which was to cause him harm to see it. He's curious. Now, a couple of months ago, Rachel had the pleasure, uh, the initiation of most Iowa people, and she ran into a deer on S-27. Thankfully, it didn't do a lot of damage. It didn't hurt her, but it killed the deer. When I got there uh, to help her, I wasn't with her at the time. I got there to help her. I found the deer laying in the yard dead, and I drug it out of these people's front yard and down into the bushes and left it so the coyotes could have it. If I were to go back there now, it's been two months, I would say that there's probably not a lot left of that deer. The coyotes have pulled pieces off and drugged them off and eaten them. And, but other than that, decay has happened. The body that was once alive, that had blood pump, pumping through it and oxygen in its veins and providing life, is now dead and decayed. I have the pleasure of helping Brother Jesse at his shop. and On some days, it's not so much a pleasure, depending on which direction the wind's out of. The smell from JBS... Is just Horrific. very interesting. <laughs> that smell is because of all of the bits and pieces that they're not using of the animals that they're processing. They're sitting, and they don't sit for very long. There's a, a truck that comes every day, or multiple trucks that come every day and take that stuff away. But they sit long enough that the entire town is permeated with the smell. It rots. It stinks. It gets full of bugs. Samson is going back to see the dead, rotting corpse of a lion that had tried to kill him. May I say of a sin... That he had gotten victory over. He's returning. To see what he'd done. Now it could be that he's returning. Because he wants to glory and revel. In. This great victory. Because. 
as we understand Samson, we understand he is a very prideful man. It could be that he has a very inquisitive mind and he wants to see what happens as this lion's carcass decays. He wants to track it and study it and understand what happens. Or it could be that he is just a very disturbed person. But as he goes back and he views the carcass again, he finds in it something very interesting. He finds a swarm of bees that have created a hive inside of this carcass, and now there's honey there. There's enticement there. Samson, as he looks at this defeated lion, sees something else that catches his eye, and his desire gets the better of him. And he takes the honey and he begins to eat. Now, we talked last week about the vow of the Nazarite. They were to not come into contact with any dead person but they're also not to eat any any unclean thing so here samson is eating honey out of a rotting carcass i don't know about you but i would say that's pretty unclean But I want you to understand that not only is Samson eating this honey out of this rotting carcass, he takes and gives to his parents. Manoah and his wife, who have served the Lord, who, from what we understand, have done exactly what God has asked them to do, because... The Bible doesn't tell us that they did any different. And now, Samson's sin has made them unclean as well. While we were in Pleasantville, we talked, we, the, the brother Bosler talked about uh, Ai when the Israelites conquered Jericho and went on to Ai and were defeated at Ai and came back and they had the meeting with God and God drew out Achan. And Achan in his lust had taken a wedge of gold and some silver and a Babylonian garment and instead of burning them with fire and giving them to the Lord, he had buried them in his tent. For me, the most interesting part of that story is not that Achan sinned. It's that the correction of that sin not only included Achan, but it included his family, his wife, his children, 
his cattle, all of his possessions, even the tent. All of that was burned with fire. His children were stoned right alongside him. When we look at Daniel, Daniel as he was tossed into the lion's den and was miraculously saved by God, those princes and and, um, rulers that were underneath him that had sought to try and get him killed were thrown in. But the Bible doesn't tell us that they were thrown in alone. They were thrown in with all of their family as well. Our lives don't just affect us. The things that we do in our lives don't just affect us. They affect everyone around us. Either for good or bad. It's not a stretch to understand that the way I live my life affects my children. But the way I live my life also affects my mother. It affects my father. It affects my dad. It affects my grandparents. It affects my aunts and uncles. And all of my cousins. It affects the guy that runs the grocery store across the street. The neighbor that lives next door. Our lives affect all of us. Samson, in an extreme case, his life, his sin affected his parents. It's going to go on and it's going to affect his wife and her, his soon-to-be wife and her family. It's going to go on and affect the Philistines. It's going to affect 30 random people that he's never met before as the riddle is found out and he goes and kills them and takes their clothes to pay off a bet. It affects the entire nation of Israel. One choice. Samson not only is seeking a wife of the Philistines, he's defiling his parents. We also find it interesting in verse number 11 that it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Now, Brother Jesse, how many uh, how many groomsmen did you have stand up with you at your wedding? Did you have any? Had one? You had the best man? And you had some bridesmaids or a bridesmaid? A maid of honor. I had um, several at both of my weddings. Brother Grant, I'm sure you did too. You had friends that stood up with you at, at your wedding. We have friends that spend, uh, that celebrate with us, that rejoice with us. I find it interesting that they had to provide companions for Samson. That tells me that he really didn't have any friends. 
And I think if we look at his, when we look and understand his character and the way that he carries himself, we might understand why he doesn't have any friends. But he had to seek or have friends provided from the world. Again, if we want to live a godly life, we have to have people in our lives that also want to live godly lives. People that are going to push us to serve the Lord rather than drag us to serve the world. Next week we'll see the ceremony and see some more things that happen. The beginning of the dynamic between Samson and the ladies that he loves. But just in these few verses, this first introduction of Samson, we see a man that is probably as ungodly as any other man in the world. But God is using him. Despite everything that's going on, God is using him. And we should take heart in that. Because just as our relationship solely depends on us, God loved us enough to want that relationship. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We saw the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, and we're going to see later that that the spirit is going to be removed from Samson. But we also know that God was still right there watching, ready to bring him back.